Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. All right, I feel like there's people behind me. Should I move back? No? I'm going to move back a little bit. All right, this feels more comfortable. Good morning. How you guys doing? I'm like a little uh, amped after playing all that music. I thought we had one more song, and I was like ready to go, and now I have to channel that into preaching. I had a little bit of energy left. Uh, But, okay. Um, All right. Whew. All right. These, uh, these dates are always a little nerve, nerve-wracking because we know about these days, like when we have guest preachers, we know we're preaching for like... Can you preach for me today? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Because then I don't have a lot of time to get super nervous about it. But when you have all that time, you're like, oh boy. So, um, but I am so excited to be here with you guys. I'm, I love this family. Uh, I've been... Uh, so blessed to be, a, be able to be a part of uh, what God is doing in, in this college and, and young adult uh, ministry. And um, so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. Uh, and if you want to be turning to Ephesians 6, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 6 uh, verses 10 through 12 uh, for, for, the, for the time, okay? Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for the blessing that it is to just be uh, your child. I thank you for the blessing that it is to, to know that, that my sins have been washed away. God, that you, you've taken uh, all the things that I've done wrong, past, present, and future, and you buried it in the grave, and you left it there. And, and so, Father, I'm just thankful, and I want to live in that truth, and I want to move forward in everything I do uh, with that, knowing that, and living in that joy that you've given me. Um, so, Father, I pray that as we go throughout the, the rest of this time, uh, that you'd be glorified and, and exactly what it is that you need said uh, to this group of people, God, would be said. God, move me aside and, uh, and, and get what you need done, done, Father. Lord, we love you. Uh, I'm thankful for you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so... Ephesians 6, uh, 6, 10 through 12, all right? So, so what got me here was a few things, uh, mainly it kind of actually stemmed from this passage in, in uh, 2 Kings, which will be at the uh, tail end of this, this sermon. Um, but really is, so, I mean, I'm a Christian, obviously, right? I'd assume lots of you in here are Christians. Right? But when we're interacting with each other in here, man, it's so different than when you go to your job, right? And you interact with people who aren't necessarily Christians. Even if they say they're Christians, a lot of times how they behave and how they act, you see in the world, isn't really, it's, it's not what you see here. Hey, Connor and David are back. What's up? Uh... I know I can't have a unique uh, experience in that. I know that all of you guys who have secular jobs, who aren't like, you don't work with Pastor Sam. Like, if you don't work with Pastor Sam, you probably experience what I've experienced, right? Where you go to work, and there's arguments, there's political conversations, there's racial conversations, there's social justice conversations, all these arguments, gun laws, I mean, everything. I mean, you go to, I work in a mechanic shop, so these guys like to think that they're experts on anything and everything. Absolutely anything and everything. Uh, even the Bible sometimes. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I know, oh boy. I had a guy tell me, he tried to argue, he's like, nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus was perfect. And I was like, wow. <laughs> That's so wrong, but oh, 
He's actually my boss's boss, so I'm sitting there arguing with my boss's boss. But all these guys around me got to hear the gospel because I was like, yes, he was, and this is why. Anyway, so, 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 so. What ends up happening, right, is we see all these awful things in the world. We do. There is awful things in the world, and we as Christians cannot be blind to the things that are going on in this world. I don't think you cannot ignore, you couldn't ignore them even, even if you tried. There's so many messed up things, injustices, and starving people, and, and just awful things, right? Um, but what I hear from these conversations is literally just them going in circles, Circles, and, and they never actually come to any kind of conclusion on what's going to fix the problem. And it's so infuriating because you're like, don't you guys get tired? Like, I'm like, don't you get tired of, you know, going around in this, in this cycle of like, you know, you see something wrong, you talk about it, you get angry about it, and then uh, you just walk away and you're all just mad. That's what happens. Like, they all get in these conversations. They just, like, hype each other up on their arguments and whatever. And then they just leave, and they're like, yep, them daggum Democrats, they're the problem. And then they just get pissed off and go you know, work on cars. <laughs> angry. But the thing is that they're angry at the wrong people. They're angry at the wrong thing. And... And what's really sad is when you have uh, people in your life that are Christians, and we should know better. We should know better that, than to trust in what the world has. And we should know better that, that this fight isn't the, the fight that we see, right? And that's why my, the title of this message is The Battle That We Can't See, right? And so... This, I'll get to this, what this scene is, right? This is actually the depiction of this Second Kings uh, passage. And this is really good, okay? Um, but, okay. So we're going to just go ahead and get into it. So Ephesians 6, we're going to start in... Uh, actually, also, part of it is, is making sure that you have the right gear for the, for the battle, right? Okay, so keep that in mind. All right, so... Um, I was actually, I was going to tell this story. When I was a kid... Uh, one of my most embarrassing moments in my entire life. I was a little kid, maybe seven or eight years old, and uh, I moved around a lot as a kid because my dad was in the military, so I'm, I'm still fairly new at this school, and uh, I hear, tomorrow's dress-up day. And I was like, <laughs> sweet. I got this awesome costume that I'm going to wear. It's my Native American outfit. I was like going to have like the whole headdress. and I was like, Mom, I like went home and I was like, Mom, this is what's going on tomorrow. I need to go in, you know, you know. And so I did. I got my stuff on and then I went to school the next day and boy, everybody was dressed up nice. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh. It was so awful. And I didn't have, I remember like I had to like, I don't know if it was like picture day or if it was, it couldn't have been picture day or else I'd have a picture of it. But I think it was just like for some reason they just dressed up nice a day and all these little kids were in like suits and stuff and I'm sitting there in like a Native American costume. I was like, why? Mom, you should have double checked this. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I noticed it at the car when she dropped me off. It was like I noticed it once I was in my classroom. I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, and so I think I ended up having to like wear like some of the school shirts and stuff. And that's always embarrassing. You pee your pants at school and you gotta wear the school pants. <laughs> the leftover pants. Anyway, all that to be said is that I, I showed up wearing the wrong stuff, and it ended up bad, right? So let's keep that, keep that in mind as we go through, okay? All right, so starting out in verse 10. So Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right, so my key point number one is that my strength and my might is just not good enough. It's not good enough. No matter what I do, uh, again, so I can see all these, these issues, these problems, but it's not good enough, right? And, and so, yeah, that's what the point that Paul is making 
you have to, uh, he's insinuating that you're weak, that your strength isn't good enough by saying you should trust. If he thought you could do it, he'd say, trust in your might, trust in your strength, and then move forward. But that's not what he says. He says, trust in his strength and trust in his might. And I think that is just a great starting off point because a lot of the times when we think about these big issues, we think about these these worldwide awful things that are happening in the world, we immediately want to see, like, what can we do? What can I do? And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying in what power are you trusting, right? Um, So uh, 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I uh, rather glory in in my affirmities. Uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's actually our weakness that allows us to be used uh, by God. And I think that that's kind of a concept that most of us would get. But I think something also to the adverse of that is I think we have just enough strength to hinder what God wants to do in our life and what he, it, it actually, he, we can stifle God working in us and through us by having too much strength, right? Isn't that crazy? And I know that almost sounds like heretical, like we can't keep God from doing something. But if you look over actually in Mark, uh, or in, yeah, uh, where is it? Uh, Mark 6, 5, it's this whole, it's when Jesus goes uh, back to his hometown, right? And they all see him and they're like, that's Jesus. I know Jesus. That's, that's just a brother of so-and-so. And that's, we know you. We don't believe that you're God. And he says in Mark 6, 5, and he could do, do uh, there no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. It says that he marveled also at their unbelief. There's only two times that Jesus marvels in the Bible, and it happens to both be tied to either our belief in him, our faith in him, or our lack thereof, Right? And so in this instant, these people's lack of faith, their lack of trust in Jesus' might, right, and his strength and what he can do, keeps Jesus from being able to do what he wanted to come there and do. Now, he says he couldn't do many miraculous things, but then he also says, well, I healed a few sick folks, and blah, and it's like, that's pretty amazing. So Jesus is still amazing. Um, And so... Right, so I'm not going to spend a lot more time on this. There's, there's, uh, I don't think I, put, I don't know if I put all these verses in there. Right, there's that, but there's also uh, other instances. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Right, no matter what you do, no matter how strong you are, actually, I would wager to say you have less of a chance to get through the eye of a needle if you are very strong, because that usually means you're very thick and wide. And, Braden, wherever you're at, like, dude's not getting through anything, any tight spaces. Um, so, again, no one, the, my point in, in this being is that nobody, not anybody, any one of us is going to muscle our way into a right standing with Jesus Christ or even into uh, fixing the world's problems. We're not going to be able to do it in our might. Even if we're just thinking evangelistically, right? Uh, I used this example in uh, last Tuesday in, in prayer after prayer. I was talking about the city of Grandview, where my wife and I have ministered for the last five years. Now we're in Lee Summit right now, uh, Belton area with our Bible study. But there's about 25,000 people in Grandview. That's a lot of people. It's, like, it's a small city, I guess, technically, to, compared to some. But that's a lot of people. And if, I, if I'm like, yeah, all right, we got to go get everything. I mean, it's a daunting task in my power, but is that too much for God? Like, absolutely not. God fed like over two million people in the desert for like 40 years. I'm like, this is, this is small fries to God, right? I don't know if that's even a saying. I just made that up. Is that a saying? It is? Okay. I was like, that's somewhere in the back of my subconscious. Um, does that hurt your feelings a little bit, that you're too weak? I mean, I, initially, I think that there's some people that we would, where we would be like, no, nah, 
I'd like to think I could do this. Uh, and to be called weak in the flesh, to be called weak is an insult, right? If I said that Isai has noodle arms, he's going to be like, mm, I don't think I have noodle arms. <laughs> They're not that small. <laughs> but this is what is happening. God is calling us weak. And I'm okay with that. I am okay with that because I need help. I cannot do these things on my own, and neither can you. And so you're going to just frustrate yourself the more you try and try and try and try instead of relying on the strength and the might of God, right? All right, so, um, so moving on, getting down to uh, key point number two. And this is really where we're going we're gonna to spend the bulk of uh, the rest of our time is in this, because we're gonna, you'll see we'll work through some of the, the armor of God. This is a really cool part. So uh, my key point number two is you must have the appropriate gear on engage in the battle. I did not have the appropriate gear on when I showed up in my Native American costume uh, on dress-up day. And I was a fool. I looked like a fool. And if we show up to this battle that we have been called to in the wrong gear, with the wrong uniform on, we're going to look like a fool, right? So Ephesians 6, 11 says, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, man. How many of you guys played sports growing up? Or maybe you still play a sport. We got any like professional athletes in here or something? No? Didn't think so? Uh, I don't know. Might be. Um, so... When you play a sport, especially as a kid, you have to uh, get the right stuff. I remember like playing football for the first time and like having to go to Dick's Sporting Goods with my mom and like get cleats and get like a mouth guard and whatever, whatever. And then, and then also you pay for the equipment that you go and you get from the school and like you have shoulder pads and all this stuff, right? Um, so obviously the same thing has to be true, and God's telling us that there is a uniform. He's telling us that there is something for us to put on. He says, I, I have gear for you. This is what it is. Make sure you get the right stuff. You know, but if you go, if like if I went to Dick's Sporting Goods for, fo- for my football stuff, and I ended up coming back with like golf cleats, then I'm going to get laughed at. One time there was a girl in my high school that got wrestling shoes. She just thought they were cool shoes. We're like, you got wrestling shoes on. <laughs> you don't even know. She was like, really? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so obviously the point being that if you show up, if I showed up to football wearing the wrong stuff and not having the correct pads, not having the thing, one, they probably wouldn't let me play, right? Because I, that's the risk on their end that I'm going to get hurt because I don't have the right stuff. But also, I'm just going to look foolish. And if I were even to play and I forgot to get all the things I needed to get, yeah, I'm just going to go out there and just get, like, hit in the head with a helmet and crack my head open and be useless for the rest of the, the game, right? I don't know why they would let you go out there, I mean, <laughs> and play without a helmet on. But so... Um, so in this verse, right, so in that scenario, there's like a coach, there's a, uh, or even if like you use like a military analogy, right, there's a commander or somebody who's going to like issue what you need, go out, right? So Paul, in this instance, is like our coach, and he's telling us exactly what it is that we need. And so if, if we skip ahead a little bit, we see in, in verses 14 through 17, we get to see what that gear actually is. And says, says uh, just read with me if you want. So stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet or and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All right, so we got our list. Like our, our guy has given us our list for, like for our equipment that we need. 
because we are engaging in a battle. He's, he's, Paul is coming at us, and he's letting us know, like, uh, you are in a battle. I don't know if, how many of you guys have, like, been in, like, a physical fight. Like, if you don't know you're in a fight, you're about to lose the fight. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Uh, that's just what it is. And so Paul is letting it. He's not, like, asking, like, hey, if you're interested in this, this is what you're going to need. Make sure you get your slip signed by your mom and this. And he's like, no, we're going into battle. This is what you need. Make sure you have it. Meet me at this time tomorrow. This is where we're going. All right, so here is, here is the list, right? So we have truth. We have righteousness. Preparation of the gospel of peace. We have faith, salvation, and the word of God, the sword of the spirit, right? These are the things that we need to have for the battle that we were going into. And so truth, there must be a standard of, of truth, an absolute truth, right, and righteousness, the condition acceptable to God, right? Uh, the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace. But this would translate to is, as, is a readiness and a willingness to engage the enemy. Right. Okay, faith, is, faith in, in something is, is what fuels the fire of the troops. Salvation is the safety or deliverance, whatever you see that as, right? So the word of God is, is the standard of truth, right? So we see truth at the beginning and truth at the end. We have truth all throughout, right? But this is all dependent on like where these things, what you attribute these things to, okay? So that's what we're going to get into. So next... This is going to where we spent a lot of our time. We got six questions to find out if you have the wrong gear on. Okay, so these are all derived from those pieces of armor that we're supposed to have on. And so, question one is: What is your truth based on in man's opinion or in God's opinion? Right. Uh, Hebrews thirteen eight says, "Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever." Romans 3, 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Right, so we have to have that, that truth that our foundation is built on. And that's, when I hear these conversations, uh, especially among Christians, I mean, I can't hold the lost world accountable to the word of God that they don't believe in. All I can do is share the gospel with them until they come into agreement, uh, agreement that they're sinful and they, they've sinned against a true, one true God and then they believe the Bible and all these things, right? I can't, if I, that's, it's not going to mean anything to them. But what I can say is that to my brothers and to my sisters, when your truth is based on CNN, like, what? Like, if we're talking about this and your truth is based on, you know, whatever, like, these, these worldly truths that are changing every single day. I mean, if we, don't, if we don't see that the world's truth is changing every day, I don't know how you missed it throughout COVID. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, every other day there was some kind of, you, can't, you don't need to wear a mask. You need to wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. You need to wear two masks. Uh, wear goggles if you can't. Uh, don't touch anything. You don't get it actually from surface. I mean, every single thing, every other day, something was new. But you see that people were living their life completely based on those truths. And there's people that divided over that. There's people that lost friendships over something that was completely, every other day it was somewhere else, right? So that's the standard of truth you're holding yourself to. Come on. Come on. And so that just, that it hurts, right? So, um, man, there, what, what is your truth based in, right? You have to figure that out. And I'm intending for these questions to go with you. As we leave today, I don't want just for you to have heard the good thing or whatever you got out of it and then just move on throughout your week. As you go through your week, ask yourself this question, right? All right, question number two. Are you trusting in your righteousness? Right, so when you look at these worldly problems and these, these awful things that are going on in the world, are you thinking of how you can be the, the savior to these things? Right, Who's, whose righteousness are you trusting in? And uh, in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, 
but we are all as unclean uh, as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness uh, righteousnesses uh, are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, uh, and our iniquities like the wind uh, have taken us away. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to trust in my righteousness. I'm. I know me better than you guys know me, but God knows me better than I know me, and me and God are in agreement. We shouldn't trust in my righteousness. That's what we've come to the conclusion of. Uh, and also, I think it's, it's uh, fitting that in that Isaiah verse, it, it points out the fact that the leaf fades away, right? Because what do we see? We see Adam and Eve in the garden, and in their attempt to cover their sin, their shame, their nakedness, right? What do they use? Leaves. But it doesn't take any, it didn't take like a scientist to figure out that leaf isn't going to last long, separated from a tree. You pull it from the tree, it's going to die very soon. Uh, and, but that's what they're, they're covering themselves with. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going anywhere out in public. Maybe at home I'd do it, rarely. <laughs> but I'm not going to go anywhere. I, I know Sam always tells that story of how he walked out of his house naked or something when he first got married. I'm like... How? How in the world? I would never do that. Uh, but it just points out how silly it is for us to trust in our righteousness, to, to have the, the kind of the ability to, to be good enough to do these things, right? It's just so silly when you put it that way. But that's what people really believe, and that's what it, you need to ask yourself. Be honest. And don't just, I mean, again, you, you probably know all the right church answers, answers to these questions. But it doesn't help you out if you just lie to yourself and you just tell yourself the church answer. Be honest with yourself. What do you really, do you think your righteousness is good enough? All right, question three. This one is the one that gets me the most, okay? So am I more likely to engage people in warfare that pertains to this life or eternity future? Ah, what do you find yourself arguing with people about? Man, and that's what I'm saying is I have people in my life that are Christians. And I'm not going to even entertain the idea that, I'm, that they're not saved. I'm, 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 I'm trusting that they have actually made that profession of faith and they, they love Jesus. But what comes out of their mouth is rarely spiritual things. What it rarely comes out of their mouth is that Jesus is the answer for all of these problems. I see people fold under pressure. When we're, when we're at work and I have my, there's a few other people that are Christians and we, we're in these conversations, there's something that's just blatantly not right. And what we choose to engage people in is physical things, right? And uh, Matthew 10, 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We have something greater to fear than our rights. Ah, you know? One of the things that made me think of this was that I had a coworker, and he was telling me about his friend who is so paranoid. He's got like a, he said he has a gun in every door of his car. He has a gun like in like the everything. And, and then he said he literally said he has a gun hanging above his shower. I'm not, like, anti-gun at all, but I'm like, really? <laughs> Who's coming after you, dude? Like, what? you might have, like, schizophrenia or something. I don't know what's, like, you think, like, I know I'm not that important. I'm like, nobody's coming at me like that. <laughs> They're not, like, planning to take me out. I'm like, like, who's that guy? But it just goes to show, like, what we as a world, as a, as a society... Uh, choose to fear, and especially as Christians, what we're choosing to engage people in. I hear more political arguments, uh, racial arguments, social justice arguments, everything. I hear way more of that than I, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually been evangelized to. I, I don't think anyone's like intentionally sought me out like to evangelize to me on the street right? Uh, people are overwhelmed, even Christians 
are just overwhelmed with the idea of getting involved in everything but sharing the gospel. And I think that kind of reveals where our heart actually is. Because we put so much emphasis on these worldly, physical things, and, and we're ready and willing. I mean, people literally get in physical altercations over some of this stuff. We've seen that, especially over the last couple years. I mean, there's been lots of turmoil in our society. I'm not saying that it's not real or that it's not actually painful. I'm not saying that people aren't hurting and dying and sick. And I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying that as a Christian, you do have an actual mission. And it honestly, it's not your rights being upheld. Sorry. I feel like that. I don't know. I hope that hurt your feelings, if that's you. I really do. Uh, question four. Uh, ask yourself, what, what is it that you truly think will fix the problems in this world? What do you have faith in, right? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What you have faith in will reveal itself in, in what pushes you forward and what you're doing. Um, it will absolutely reveal itself. What you're trusting in, what you have hope to like actually fix these problems. And I mean, there's lots of stuff. And there's lots of ideas on how to fix it. You know? But what do you really think is going to fix it? Okay, so we get the right president in there. Which one? Like, which one is that? Like, I forgot. Because there's not a right president. Like, it's, this, is a, this is a completely dumb argument, right? Um, all right. Hmm. Question five, um, what does your idea of salvation even look like? Right, so we have this picture of like a utopia, right? If all of our problems, if all the world's problems could get fixed and, and everything and, you know, but like, what does that even look like to you? Does it look, that, and that's the scary thing too, is like, does your salvation, does your heaven look like it's on this in this time, in this world, with the things, with these people, like, it's like, ask yourself, are you actually heavenly minded? Are you actually seated with the Lord in heavenly places? Is that where your hope is? Or is it, your, is your salvation, your idea of salvation, is it just, just that uh, there'd be no more world hunger? That's the, the stereotypical, like, beauty pageant question, right? It's like, and they get up there and like they act like they're not the hundredth person person to say this very same thing. Because if you are, I'll let you know. God isn't. God is more concerned with someone's spiritual well-being than than he is their physical well-being. You don't believe me, do you? We'll get to it. I think, uh, actually, did I put it in here? Did I put it up on there? Mm-hmm. All right, so we're in Mark, right? In Bible study? You remember in Mark 2 when the guy gets brought down through the roof? So he's brought down, crazy scene. Awesome friends, by the way. Get you some homies like this guy had homies. Uh, I don't know how far they came, but they did it. They trucked this dude over there and took off this roof and brought him down. I mean, that's like dedication. I'd have got there and be like, sorry, dude, we got to, we'll try again tomorrow. Maybe next week. <laughs> it's like get, getting to the DMV and you're like, oof. <laughs> Can I wait in line on my phone or something? Like, uh, but these dudes are like, no, we need to see Jesus right now because our friend is in desperate need of healing. And so they get up there and they lay him down. And immediately Jesus is like, forgives his sins. He's like, 
your faith has made you whole. Like, let's, this is, you're, you're healed. Your sins are forgiven, right? And then what happens? Does the guy get up and walk away? He doesn't. Not immediately. He doesn't even address the fact that this guy can't walk. Doesn't even acknowledge it. And lots of us would be like, how insensitive, Jesus. Don't you see that if you have the healing power, why wouldn't you heal this man's legs? Because we are trusting, again, in our righteousness. We think we're good. We think we know what's best. And we, you know, have everyone's best interests at mind. But Jesus actually was more concerned with this guy being healed spiritually than he was physically. And he was going to leave that guy that way. He was absolutely going to leave him that way. And the guy was not saying anything. As far as it's recorded, the guy's not like, hey, but also, ooh, my legs. <laughs> These bad boys don't do nothing. Like, he just is like, awesome. Wow. Because he, he, in that moment, he can acknowledge like something miraculous has just happened. I don't care if my legs don't work. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, just forgave me of my sin. That's the hope that people need. And it wasn't until somebody else's unbelief that Jesus was like, oh, would it be easier for me to make him walk? Get up and get out of here. Kick your bed. Get out. And then they're like, oh, he, I guess he is really God. But even in that, they're like, oh, we got to figure out how to get this guy out of here. Oh. We have so much more to look forward to than what this world has to offer. My body hurts. My body is in physical pain a lot of the time because I have beat myself up over the years. And I tell you what, I'm not trusting that this world has all the answers. I'm, not tr- I'm, not, I'm excited for heaven knowing that I get a glorified body and I get to just spend the time worshiping Jesus Christ. My hope's not here. This world has done nothing but twist my ankles Over and over and over again. Again. and uh, Yeah. I don't know why you guys want this world. I could just, man, maybe you guys just haven't get, gotten hurt enough to, to, like, want heaven. I don't know. <sighs> anyway. It's all right. Six. What playbook are you reading out of? Um... I tried for a long time to try and rephrase this because I didn't like how coachy it sounded. <laughs> I was like up in our bed. And I was like, Amanda, is this, is this dumb? And she's like, leave it and change it later if you want. And I was like, it's good advice. And I came back to her and I still couldn't think of anything different. So we're with playbook. <laughs> All right. Uh, how are we on time? All right. Yeah. So, to be effective in whatever battle you engage in, you must be versed in the playbook, right? Uh, any, any professional athlete, any elite athlete is watching film. They're watching film, they're getting to know the game, they're playing the game, but they're also just watching the greatest people to ever have played that sport. They're watching them over and over and over again. That's what they do. Uh, boxers are not, they don't just like walk into a gym. I actually just saw a video that a guy just walks into a gym and he's like, I'm a boxer, I want to be a boxer. And then the coach is like, all right, let's box. And he just like knocks the dude out because <laughs> he's not a boxer. Surprise, surprise. You don't just become whatever you think of that day, right? You have to spend time getting to know the book. The, the, that the game is written with, right? You know, have to know the rules. You have to know how to play within the thing, right? So that's the same thing for us. We have to know the Word of God. We have to. And so that's my question is like, man, what books are you investing in your mind? What types of information are you choosing to wash your mind and your spirit in? Uh, Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's pretty simple. The only way to have Jesus' mind is by having the words of Jesus washed over your mind. Man, and don't we need that? Our minds are messed up. I'm sure in the room this big, a thousand like unclean thoughts have already happened in the last 10 minutes. 
because our minds are just uncontrolled. They just go, right? And that's why, we, that's why Christ emphasizes that we need to renew our mind. We need his mind to be our mind, because if not, we're just going to side with the world, because that's what we did for our whole life. Some of us got saved. I got saved when I was 18. Some of us has just gotten saved. You're in your late 20s. Maybe you're in your 40s, right? And so you've spent that whole time building up security blankets and, and thought processes in the world, and you need to renew your mind with the Word of God. And that is the only thing. We see Jesus, when he's tempted in the wilderness, he's not like, square up, Satan. He's like, thus saith the Word. Like, this is what... The word says this, actually, and it says this, and it says this. And so if you don't have that, you're going into the wrong battle. You're going in with a Nerf sword, and you're going to be like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, or it's just funny to think, I mean, you're not prepared. You're not going to be prepared. I think of uh, Shepard, or not Shepard, uh, Fisher, Brian Bustos' kid. Uh, years ago, there was this video of him at a soccer game where all the kids are, like, running around, and uh, Fisher's, like, in the middle of the field, and he's pretending to throw M&Ms in the air. And he's like... (laughs) And, like, everyone's just running around. Like, that dude did not watch any film. He didn't study. I don't even know if he went to practice. I don't think he knew where he was. But he wasn't doing... He wasn't playing soccer, right? And the same will be true of you. Is you want to have the name Christian, but you refuse to do any of the things that make you a Christian and make you a part of the mission that God has put you on, you're not, you're not going to be effective. You might put the jersey on, but you're not playing the game. You're in the middle of the field throwing fake Skittles up in the air, Right? Really thinking that you're 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 going at it. Uh, I wanted to play a video, then I was like, oh, "It's gonna be stupid. I don't want to play it." But I'll describe it to you. It's just this dog. It's a very funny competition of this. You know how like they do those like, this is a dog competition, and they, the dog. The premise is that the dog has to get through all of these distractions to the end of the the race. It's like just a plate plates of hot dogs and cupcakes and like everything that like a dog was like, oh. And all these other dogs are like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. And at the end, they get rewarded, and they get, like, their master's like, yeah, you know, and then they're really excited. Then this golden retriever gets up to the line, and they're like, all right, go. And he, like, he starts off, and then he immediately is like, oh. And he he goes, and he's just, it's very funny. If you want, I'll put it in the group chat or something later. It's so funny. His dog's eating, like, hot dogs and bacon and cupcakes. And he literally, he, like, moves forward again. And he's like, oh, wait, there was something. And he, like, goes back. <laughs> you, and this is, and it's so funny because then even when he, the, 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 his, the girl that's, like, trying to get him, she, like, runs out. She's like, come on. I'm, like, trying to get him to go. And he's still distracted. But at the end of it, she's still like, good boy, good boy. You know, like, he still gets his little hugs. And, but he didn't win. He didn't do good but he was still her good boy, right? And that's the thing, is like, man, at the end of this, I want to be able to look at my Savior and for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to just barely make it in just to get like a participation award and just get in and and be like, all right, you did it. Get in here. You know, and he's like, welcome to heaven. Good job. He pinches your cheeks and goes. I want him to be pleased with what I, how I responded to what he gave me. I want him to look at me and know that I wanted to, to give back to what he did for me. The amount of sacrifice that he gave to me, we'll never be able to pay it back. But I want him to know that I care. I care about the mission that he gave me. All right, key point three is that we, have, we can only see the real battle through spiritual eyes. This is where we get into this, uh, the last verse of Romans, uh, or uh, sorry, Ephesians 6, 12. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, 
against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, This is the most important part of this, because again, if you don't know what kind of battle you're in, you're going to lose, right? And so uh, in 2 Kings 6, uh, there's a war happening. There's a king who wants to kill you know, the king of Israel, and he wants to take over, and he's trying to find Elisha so that he can, you know, he's trying to find the king, and I mean, it's just this crazy, you, should, you, need, to, you need to read it, right? So I'm, I'm butchering it just because I'm, I'm trying to hurry through it. But here in uh, 2 Kings six fifteen through 17, it says, uh, so again, their army is coming to, 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 to take over, or to take Elijah and the king of Israel, right? It says, and when the servant of the man of God the man of God being Elijah, right, was risen early and gone forth. Behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? This is a bad situation. He's like waking up to an army coming uh, to, to overtake them. And uh, it says, And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And the guy's like, I don't know. And uh, Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eye, opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. So that's that, like at the beginning, that's that, what that scene is. I'm, I don't know, it probably looked even crazier than that, but that's a, as close as I could get uh, to what that looked like. And... Um, Guys, there's a spiritual battle that you can't fight with your fists, that you can't fight with guns, that you can't fight with legislation, you can't fight it with the right president, you can't fight it with the right medicine, you can't fight it with the right anything. Only can it be fought with spiritual weapons. Only. And I think that there's far too many of us, and I think this is part of our failure in stewardship as the Laodicean church, in, this last, in the last days before Jesus comes back for us, I think a huge part of our failure is that we've just completely forgotten what kind of fight we're in. And there's a, there was a time where people really knew this was like, this is a spiritual battle. That is why it doesn't look ridiculous for Paul to get beat to death, put out of a city, and for him to get up and go and preach again. Because to him, it's like this body is just a vessel for spiritual things. This inside of me is going to be forever. This is not. Like, my, my body is not going to last. Ugh. And, and it hurts my heart to know that we could be a thousand times more effective if we just knew what game we were playing. Like if we just knew and we acknowledged it and we got a part of it. We're just like the dog. Like, those other things are good? You telling me bacon's not good? You telling me the hot dogs aren't good? They might not be good for you, but they're good, right? So this dog is, like, jumping all over the place because he's going after things that he perceives as good. And that's what we do. We jump after any chance to go after whatever the world's saying is good today. We want to be on board with that because we're... Brandon, you said this. The world is is obsessed with not being on the wrong side of history. I'll tell you what, this history is not going to be nothing in heaven. Whoever wronged my ancestors, it's not going to matter much to me when I'm standing before Jesus Christ in heaven with how heaven looks. I don't care. Wrong me again. Take my rights. Take my guns. Take my health. All of that means nothing. And if we can't get on board with that, we're going to be distracted forever. And we're going to, it's just going to be like, I mean, you have these days at work where you do a lot of stuff. You feel like you've done it. Oh, man, I'm so exhausted. It's been a long day at work. When you look back at it, you basically got nothing done. You ever had those days? I have those days all the time. I look back and I'm like, man, I got two cars done today. What the heck? I felt like I was, my hands hurt. I'm bleeding. I'm sweaty, and and I'm like, man, I got two things done today. What the heck? That is what you are in danger of experiencing if you don't get on track with what the real fight is. We're going to get to the end, 
And we're, oh, man, we're going to just realize we wasted it. Like that dog, he looked back and was like, I don't know, he probably wasn't thinking. But he looked back and he's like, well, look at this mess I made. <laughs> look at all this mess that I made. And I didn't win. Ah, I just remembered I'm in a, uh, I'm in a race. Crap. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, master. <laughs> I made you look like a fool, too. This girl, she looked like a fool. I'm sure she's not a fool. But because her dog looked like a fool, she looked like a fool. We are in danger of making our God, we're dragging his name through the mud when we try and make other things bigger than people's eternal security. All right? That's basically it. So that's my, my plead. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. That if you are, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please reevaluate what it is that that you find important. Reevaluate what it is the kind of, the kind of gear that you've put on to fight the battle and wh- whatever you think is the battle. Right? Figure out what what we're fighting, and uh, and if you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm I'm here to let you know that the world is going to let you down. The world is sinful and self-serving and, and violent and angry and hurt. And hurt people hurt people. That's, a, that's that common saying. Hurt people hurt people. And the world is not here to be your friend. Proverbs 4.16 says that, that the wicked can't rest until they've caused another to stumble. They just want to bring you down with them. That's it. And the only hope to seeing all these awful things, these world problems fixed, the only hope there is, is Jesus Christ. That's it. And if you don't know that, now you know. And now you are without excuse. And Jesus says that you can have salvation today, that today can be the day of salvation for you. If you repent of your sin and believe on Jesus Christ, believe what he did, that he died, he took your sin and he died and was buried, and he rose again on the third day so that you could have eternal life. He took our punishment. And if, even if you were the only person in the world that was a sinner, he would still die for you. Ah, uh, You know, and he would do it again. And not one day does Jesus regret what he did. He loves us that much. And so don't, don't hope in the world. Hope in Jesus. That's it. Love you guys. hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.